Hey, this is Scott Hartnell, and you're listening to Music City Gold on Penalty Box Radio. And welcome back to Music City Gold, hosted by Penalty Box Radio. I'm Kyle, your host. With me, as always, is Daniel and Matt. Hello. Hey, guys. How was your weekend? Uh, pretty good. It went by really quick. A lot of birthday parties and, uh, you know, some hockey on the weekend. and A lot of hockey. I, I know you uh, were at Vanderbilt for one of the games, PA in it. Yes, I made my professional PA debut this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Paul McCann who? <laughs> I know, right? So, story behind that. Justin Bradford, who was our uh, producer for Music City Gold. Or Penalty Box Radio. Or Penalty Box Radio. <laughs> he produces this. He uh, called me. Well, I actually got a text at like 6.30 at night on Thursday. And he said, hey, I'm going down to watch the uh, and cover the uh, Huntsville hockey game. Would you want to do PA? And I said, sure. I've always thought about it being cool and doing it. I said, what time? He goes, 10 o'clock in the morning. No, at night. I said, well, I'm at work. He goes, no, 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> I was like... Oh, it's a late start. That's going to be fun. So I, you know, took a little bit of nap Friday <laughs> evening, went to the game, had a lot of fun, actually. Vanderbilt lost to Indiana Hoosers uh, 6-1. But, oh, and guys, break. We just got a goal. It is now 5-3 <laughs> on the Washington Capitals game. And this is the live update of the Washington game. That's going to be irrelevant. What's the... You know what's irrelevant? You dropping that puck <laughs> dropping on the, the table. Puck. Drop the puck on the baby. ice, baby. <laughs> Matt got so excited for that goal. Yeah, so we're, where we record at, I've got a window pointing back at the television yeah, so I can see the game. At. He's like a, he's got a mirror. And so as I was talking, <laughs> I saw the goal flash across. I was like, oh, we got a goal. We so just, We just got to set us up a monitor over here. but We do. Oh, well. So if you haven't figured out yet, we are actually recording this live while the Capitals are playing the Preds. It is 5-3 in the second period. Salty just scored. Yes, Salty just scored, and I think it's what? There's been six goals this period? A lot. Five or six goals at least. But anyway, back to the PA. It was a lot of fun. I would love to do it again, and yeah, it was just fun. You have a good voice for it. I feel like I wouldn't cut the musters, that's concerned. But It was really funny. One of the opponent's mothers came up to me, and she goes, where we're from in Indiana, it's my son's birthday. Can you wish my son a happy birthday? <laughs> On oh. the PA? That's awesome. So I did. I came <laughs> back to the ice, and I was like, Welcome back to the ice, your Vanderbilt Commodores. I was like, oh, and by the way, I was like, happy birthday to number 10 on Indiana Hoosers. That's awesome. Redemption for denying that kid candy on Halloween a couple weeks ago. That's exactly what it is. But I wasn't the only one having hockey fun. Matt and I were covering Nash hockey this week. Sure were. It's a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying it. Where was you at? I went to Centennial Sportsplex while you was at Ford for that night on Monday. Yes, uh, I covered uh, Brentwood versus... Nolensville Ravenwood two, it was a pretty good game. Uh, no, Brentwood one, ten to two. How was your game? I covered Indy Summit, took on Blackman Stewart's Creek, and Indy Summit won. Uh, kind of steamrolled them eight to zero. So Blackman's right down the street from us. Yeah. So what is your impression so far uh, watching these games from a high school level compared to like an AHL level? Well, you can kind of tell this the skill level is obviously apparent and it, and it even is between teams because some of the teams are have younger 
uh, kids, so they don't they haven't had as many years even skating, much less playing hockey. So some of that shows sometimes for the teams that are have a little bit in, more inexperienced. So their skating level quite isn't quite up to par with some of the other teams, but it's fun and exciting to watch the talent grow, and, and every year they get better and better and, and players develop. The goalie last night for um, Nolensville Ravenwood 2, he reminded me of UC Saros because he was a tiny goalie. Like he, Very ba- tiny. he barely got above the crossbar. And I remember hearing him before the game tell somebody he faced 50 shots on his previous game. Oh, wow. This time around, he faced 50 more shots. Wow. Now, he let 10 of them in. <laughs> <laughs> well. But you got to think, 10 shots on 50 goals, I'm sorry, 10 goals on 50 shots, that's still not bad. And he just reminded me if he keeps playing as well as he was, he could be another UC Saros in training. I mean, 50 shots on goal. I'm asking for my defense to give me some help, you know? I'm That's just, true. Just saying. That's true. Let's get that down to like 30, 35 reasonable well, amount. I did mention that in my recap. So <laughs> um, if you are listening to this and interested in the Nash Prep Hockey that Penalty Box Radio does, if you go to PenaltyBoxRadio.com, there is a section for Prep Hockey where you can read the uh, cover, not the cover, the write-ups of what Matt and I do every week with a couple of people. But I'm going to get to you real quick, Daniel. You saw Thor Ragnarok over the weekend. What did you think about it? Sure did. Uh, I thought it was hilarious. I'm not going to spoil anything. I did like uh, Jeff Goldblum in there. I thought his character was pretty quirky. It's totally different than the previous two Thor movies. So if you saw the previous two and you're like, I don't want to go see it just because of those two, throw those two out of the window, you know, throw them out and go see this one as just like a standalone movie because it's hilarious. Like, as funny as Guardians of the Galaxy, if not funnier. Sweet, because I'm going to probably end up seeing it either Thursday or Friday night. Yeah, it, it was really good, and it kind of gently leads up into Infinity Wars. So it's one of those you kind of need to watch it before before uh, going neck deep into... Kind of a spoiler. Do they even reference a gemstone? I can't tell you. Dang it. I cannot. I can neither confirm or deny that fact, Kyle. Well, Dang. Well, all right, guys, let's get into it. We had a lot of games to cover since our last go-around. What did you guys think about it? Well, I've been pretty pleased with November so far, I have to say that. Preds, as of this game, we've not officially won it yet, but if we win it, we will go on a six-game winning streak. That's insane. It's impressive. The only loss that we've had was to the San Jose Sharks to begin of our West Coast road swing. And we were kind of off the heels of that Islanders game where we were still trying to find our chemistry and we were, I don't know, throwing some lines, line combinations out there and they just didn't seem to be working. And then all of a sudden, we started going to the net. And what do you know? Good things happen. Good things happen. The one takeaway I had from the San Jose game was penalties. It was bad. It was bad. We gave the Sharks eight power plays. (laughs) Eight power plays. Now, we got lucky because the Sharks only converted on one. That led me before the night started to check on the penalty minute leaders. Not surprisingly, Preds are the current penalty leader with 255 wow. minutes. Woo. Not counting the penalties we are taking tonight. <laughs> and we average 16 penalty minutes a game. Now, out of those 255 minutes, guess who has 60% of those minutes? Primary suspect number one, Cody McLeod. <laughs> exactly. Guess who's next with only 8%? Ooh, that's a good question. Is it Emelin? 
surprisingly not. Oh, because I wanted it to be M so bad. Yeah, it's basically McLeod, and then everything else is like change. It's compared to what he. Yeah, does. I mean, it's that much more higher yeah. than what is it? Who is? I don't know. Scott Hartnell. You know, I thought it might be him, but he has twenty penalty. Minutes. But he makes up for it with his physicalness yeah. and net front presence, where McLeod just hits people. I don't know. The only other good thing about this game was that we did get some secondary scoring from Yarncroke. Yep. We did get a goal in the second period. Yarncroke's looking good. We'll talk more about that later in some other games, but Correction. it's starting to heat up. Yossi got it. Yarncroke got the assist. So still some secondary action. Yes, but he's, he's starting to heat up too. Looking good. Next game was our Western Conference opponent, Anaheim Ducks, which we got a good win out of that game, won 5-3, and Renee posted a 9-2-1 save percentage, which was fantastic for him. That's right. I think we took... Uh half the penalties that we took in the game before i think uh we took about four that game yeah we had eight the game before that and four only four this game because i think laviolette addressed that in the locker room after that uh that last game versus the sharks didn't go so well for us in that respect so we we cranked down on that a little bit and also we showed up in the first period which is which has been good yeah i mean way more physical game uh obviously when you go to play the ducks you're you know that's gonna you know be Probably their mo going into it. I think and they've been plagued with a lot of injuries too. Sorry to cut you off, oh, but good. they've been they've been bitten by the bug yeah. bad Hard. this year. I mean, they continue to lose. And I think who else did they just lose with a facial fracture? Was that a uh, gets yeah, yeah. So uh, I feel I kind of feel for them because we're suffering from a lot of injuries too, which I'll talk about later. But it, it yeah, it, no matter how bad the player, I I don't wish injury on anybody, especially like facial injuries like yeah. that those are rough to watch on the ice because you know that they're going to be out for more than likely at least a month month and a half i mean watching logan couture get hit by a puck by us last season i was like man that just sucks because when he got hit with that puck he just took off the ice great dental package that's all i'm gonna say great dental package yeah they say the nhl does give them free uh, dental insurance i would hope <laughs> yeah i hope they got <laughs> i would hope dental. they got what I liked about this game was we saw the beginning of a very successful line combination for a while on the West Coast, which was the Jova line was broke up. That's right. You had Hartnell take the place of Forsberg. Forsberg was slotted down on the second line with Sissons and Smith. Fiala was bumped to the third line with Yarncroke and Auberg. And then you had your fourth line of McLeod, Goudreau, and Watson. Yeah, I think this kind of stemmed from our lack of center depth and also Benino being out. You know, I mean, look at look at who's our centers here. Sissons, Yarncroke, and Goudreau. So... I really felt like Lobby was trying to spread the points evenly on the on at least through the top two lines. Go ahead, Matt. Yeah, exactly to your point. Uh, that's when I you, I particularly noticed what it was was that Forsberg had been the hot one for us in the last few games. So by putting him on the second line, he was trying to heat up the second line and get them going because at that point it had been basically the just Forsberg, Forsberg yeah. on the first line. So let's let's put him down and try to get redistribute some of that scoring on some of our other lines. And then that plays into center depth and all that as well. It's a great balanced lineup. I loved it. You know, we kept that going in the next couple of games. You know, you got us versus L.A. You got us versus uh, Blue Jackets. That same lineup was going, and I think that line just was producing nonstop. You know, going past the L.A. game, which uh, we won our overtime amazingly, that was a nerve-wracking game because I was like, crap, we're going to OT. Against the best OT team in the league, three-on-three. They are nasty. And yeah. everybody knows, like the Preds' mo is we're good at everything but overtime, and we suck at overtime. <laughs> it's but, like kind of like get the brown bag out, start breathing heavy, you know, control your yeah. breathing because we're about to get one point. Let's go home. That's my favorite gift to use on uh, our uh, Music City Gold account. 
because it's so fitting of him just breathing in the bag. Control yourself because you know you're about to get hammered in OT. But once again, we pulled it out, and it's against the Kings. This is a quality opponent. Top of the league at the time here, around the top, I think top three. Well, the thing I hate the most is every time we get to overtime, we treat it like it's a power penalty kill. We have no... Triangle. Yeah, the triangle. And we. it seems like all we're trying to do is get to the shootout, and we don't try to get possession of the puck. All we're like is block enough shots till we get it and knock it back down and ice it, and then here we go. We start again. So it just frustrates me to death. But between the L.A. game... In the Blue Jackets game, we had some big news happen, guys. What's that, Kyle? I don't know. Matt looks like he wants to talk about it. I was I was going to continue talking about the Kings. Oh, yeah, well, we, we can go, go back to the Kings. Go ahead. Nah. I, I was going to say, before the overtime stuff happened, you, if you look what led up to it, it, it kind of looked kind of down. The first start of that first period, we were losing in the shot stats. It was only nine shots uh, for, for them, and we had only one. We kind of made that up by then – getting two goals off two quick shots right after that. What helped us carry that into the third period and get into overtime and eventually win was that UC Soros, who hadn't been playing particularly great and the defense hadn't looked that good in front of him as of late, he was perfect through the first period. He looked fantastic. He did. He looked really good. I'm other glad he got his, the win. Other than his half-court blunder where Peck <laughs> kind of like give him a little... Yeah, that was He was, was like, game. you got burned, son. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was something. It was like Papa... Coaching the little little kid, he was like, "Yep, you know it. You he know you up messed up. That, you know but, you uh, messed up. But go back out there and get the win for us." Yeah. So that was I, a cool moment. I feel like that uh, that video is going to be used to teach young goalies. You just can't always leave the crease whenever you think they're going to shoot because they might be faking you. How about you wait for the puck to leave the stick? Yeah. That's what I prefer. But go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So that's all uh, about all I had to say on that. We can go back to well, counters. quick quick update. Predators just scored again. It is now 6-3. to three. Nice. Ekholm scored with an assist from Turris. Oh, yeah. Oh, speaking of which. Speaking of which, <laughs> well, let's just go ahead and segue right into a so, crazy deal. So I want to ask, down. where were you guys at when this happened? Where was I at? I was at Macaroni Grill, and my phone started blowing up, and it was you two. Because normally I can tell when there's chatter on our group message. Yeah. I know something's going down when the text messages are like, you know, I'm sitting there at dinner. I'm trying not to look at my phone. I'm trying to have a nice meal. But then I was like, I'm sorry, babe. I got to look at this because something must be going down. I see screenshots. I see Matt freaking out over here. And then all of a sudden, Duchesne leaves the game and Twitter just blows up. Oh, gosh. Yes. I was at the bowling alley. It's like implosion. getting ready to bowl. And I remember... um I had 5% on my phone. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle's like, no. <laughs> I sent this to our group text, but I also like yelled at people around me that know I love hockey. I was like, of course this will happen when I have 5%. And so I walked around to everybody I knew and finally one of the girls was like, I have a phone charger. Do you want my phone charger? I was like, please. I was the only poor soul, like literally all the way up against the wall in the bowling alley trying to find an outlet. I was actually, and I found an outlet. <laughs> so every time between my bowling frame, I'd go check it. And it was just like left right. Everyone's like, what are you doing? I was like, you don't understand. We have been waiting for over six months for this to happen. And it has finally happened. I am not going to miss this. It's like the domino finally fell, but no one knew exactly what had happened. They knew Duchesne left. And then it was either Ottawa or Nashville. But then it progressed into a three-way trade. And then we were like really freaking out because we were like, who do we give up? Well, see, the first notice we got was on Saturday. So if you follow Darren Dreger on Twitter, 
he was reporting talk of a three-way trade that was involving Colorado, Ottawa, and Nashville, which is, you know, you don't really hear of a lot of three-way trades being done no. in hockey anymore. No. I mean, but it seems like David Poyle is the kind to bring back all the old school things. First, he's bringing back the blockbuster trades of one-for-ones, and now he's like, oh, let's get an old school three-way trade back in. David, so, David Poyle is willing to make the deal to get he's it done. He's the only one that's got the cojones to make the one-for-one one trade. Because it comes really. back on him. Yeah, exactly. A one-for-one one trade's always dangerous as far as the GM's concerned, but he will do it, and he stands behind it, and look what's happened over the last three to four years. Psh, incredible trades. Oh, definitely. So it says here he had, quote, Sources say the Senator's GM has been pursuing Duchesne since mid-September, and discussions have heated up in the last couple of weeks. It is believed that Ottawa, Colorado, and Nashville were involved in a three-way trade involving Matt Duchesne going to the Sens, and talks ended. And that was it. And that was it. And we speculated they were wanting a top-four defenseman at home. A so when the, and yeah, a pick. And a pick. And when the deal went down and they just said, you know, Duchesne's leaving, he's going to Ottawa, everyone was freaking out because we're like, who did we get, first of all? And two, did we give up Ekholm? That's, I mean, that was the rumor. We had, we would have probably given up Ekholm. Well, everybody was freaking out because he was already playing the game. Oh, yeah. He, Duchesne I mean, was mid-game. Yeah, and he they're was like, the snuck out with they're uh, like, hey, the injury. Leave. Yeah. So he just kind of slipped in the locker room. I think he knew ahead of time because they said he already had his bags yep, packed. Gathered too. his sticks. He yeah. just clipped them all together. Had a duffel bag to travel. I mean, because they were playing in Stockholm, like uh, the next series yeah, against like against two, the Avalanche, which was hilarious, uh, ironic. But uh, it's funny how that happens because Cody McLeod did the same thing. He came to our team, and like in his first day. game was against Colorado, and he scores a goal against like uh, only only that can happen, you know, in the NHL where we script things like this. But that said, I I, I do felt like he had some rumors, and I'm sure Sackick was like, hey. We're talking. Make sure you got something packed just in case. But Tell your mom and pull the car around. <laughs> yeah, Matt's favorite line. Pull Love the car it. around. This one's over. And I'm sure Duchesne was leaving there just like with pure joy, yeah. giving everyone middle fingers in front office because he just did not want to be there. But in all this, we finally learned who we were acquiring. That's right. So Sunday, November 5th, well, he's having dinner with his girlfriend, and I'm at the bowling alley. And Matt, where were you? I was on my computer helping my wife with a test. Okay. Trying well, to help with the test. Yeah. All right, so let's rephrase this. I'm at the bowling alley. Macaroni girl. And you were taking your wife's test. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We find out from Elliot Friedman, who's also another great source to follow, and I will say this. You will see this time and time again. When trades happen, there are fake Twitter accounts galore. Yes. So only like and retweet stuff from people that have the blue check mark check. next to their name. Yeah. So Friedman responds that it's been confirmed. Duchesne's going to Ottawa. And lo and behold, Smashville freaks out because we're getting Kyle Turris. Which to someone who is not particularly in the hockey world a lot, Duchesne stands out because he is like, you know, an all-star player and literally the face of that organization. Well, he's a bigger story. Yeah, he's a yeah. bigger story. But Kyle Turris kind of flew under the radar, and I'm pretty sure some of us have some stats to back this up, but it is literally a Duchesne player yeah. for a non-Duchesne price. And I think Poyle is coming out way on top on this. So go ahead and dissect who we gave up for a number one center, essentially. So we'll go over with who um, centers gave up first. They give up Bowers 
Andrew Hammond a first and a third. That's a first and a third of next year's draft. Then Nashville, again, freaks out because we've given up a second round pick in the 2018 draft, but we gave up key prospect Samuel Gerrard, and everybody just panicked. And Kamenev in there, too. Yeah, and Kamenev. Yeah, sorry. Uh, Kamenev from uh, Milwaukee. Yeah, here's the deal. And I, uh, anyone who follows his account knows that we all love Gerard, but I still he love played him. only like four or five games with us, and we got so attached that literally when this happened, people were freaking out online, like losing their minds. Like, how could you do this? You could say, uh, realistically, he wasn't going to play top four minutes with us anyways right look at our defensive court we if anyone can give up defensemen and be okay it is the Nashville Predators we've proven this with the Seth Jones Ryan Johansson trade so when we shipped him off yeah it sucks I mean I like the kid he's a great prospect but look at who we're getting we're addressing a need of ours a glaring need of center depth and then on top of it you're talking like Almost identical points to Duchesne. Actually, in the last three years, I'm pretty sure Turris has more points than Duchesne does. Yes, yeah, I've got it right here, actually. Okay. 2014 to present from Jonathan Willis, who's also a Twitter-verified uh, hockey person. Duchesne has had 248 games played, 165 points. That's average is just over half a point a game. Now, Turris, same time frame, three years of 2014 forward, 228 games played, 158 points. that's the same thing there's no difference and the fact that we gave up a second round draft pick and two AHLers two AHLers for that very impressive the Senators in my opinion way overpaid for Duchesne and I think they're going to feel the effects of that also when his contract comes up and they have to sign him to some long term they're going to try to have to sign him to a long term contract and he's going to want to get paid Probably pretty handsomely. Um, so it's going to be interesting for the Senators, and I really don't know if it's going to work out like they thought it was. And I think Colorado's pretty happy because they got a ton of prospects. They're in rebuild mode. So I think for Colorado fans, you have to be happy with that. Once they have to sign Turris to a long-term deal, I, I just feel like they're they're going to feel the repercussions of that for many years going forward, paying all that money and giving up Kyle Turris, who was basically the same thing to begin with. It it didn't really make a whole lot of sense. And if you're an Avalanche fan, you got to be happy with this trade because Sackett finally caved in and got some much-needed prospects moving forward. So, Well, I, we're kind of hitting all around it. There's just so many different aspects that you can look at this from. I mean, you the, basically, you've got the difference between the asking price. Mm-hmm. You've got... Uh, the ratings of each team's trade specifically and how that affects each team, uh, then the comparisons between Duchesne and Turris and how that affects the Preds specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about we, would you like to go one by one and go talk about every one of those details? Uh, yeah, we it. sure can. Let's start, we kind of talked about it for a second, the asking price ver- versus those two for Duchesne and Turris. It's a wholesale bargain. We got a great deal out of it. I think the Senators are going to come back and regret that. I, I mean, think they gave it way too much. I, I don't see how they won't, considering what we're getting and what he's coming into our system. Um, I, I, I don't know. It, it's going to be interesting to see how much he's going to want to ask at the end of the season once his contract expires. Like, is he going to be in that $7 million to $8 million range? 
he's probably going to ask for it because of you know the McDavid effect has swept the league, and now people are right. wanting those big long-term contracts. What's crazy is we signed Kyle Turris to a six-year, thirty-six million dollar deal, six million a year for the same production essentially as Duchesne. Once again, Poyle looks like Wizard of the Year. I and mean, we've it's, got it's just over ridiculous. $2 million in cap space left. Still. so Well, the key that's very true. The key difference between those two and their asking price, not only contracts in the future, but asking price now. The reason we haven't landed Duchesne a couple months ago was because the asking price was simply too high. Top 4 Sackick wanted Eckholm a prospect and a pick, pretty much. And that was just too high of asking price. So the only way you could get this deal done, it wasn't going to be done for Duchesne. The only way it even was done because it was a three-way deal and a Poyle stepped in to help facilitate that to happen. And the asking price, we got a comparable player for much less. All it cost us was two AHL players and a pick. What's crazy, though, is if Poyle doesn't step in, I do not know if the Senators and the uh, Avalanche get the deal done with right. each other because... Avalanche wanted prospects, and yeah. they weren't giving a ton of prospects. They wanted more than that. And then on top of it, let's just talk about Samuel Gerrard. Ellis gets injured, and Samuel Gerrard has playtime, which he wouldn't have had. Right. If he does not get that playtime and looks good while doing it, I guarantee you this deal does not get done because the Colorado Avalanche were not going to accept that. They wanted someone who was going to be good. They see him, and they're like, oh, wow, he's actually decent. Let's go ahead and throw that one in the deal, and let's get it done, which is crazy because to think that the Ellis injury would have caused this. But we still get Ellis, and we still keep Ekholm, and we get Turris in the process? Yeah, I think the hockey gods were smiling upon the Preds because they saw our struggles for last season and said, you know what, we need to get you guys a center who on most teams – Kyle Turris is a number one center on most teams. For sure. You got to think about our depth, though, now that he comes in and Joey's our top center. And now they're like, Turris, you're going to be our number two. And then you're going to have more in lock with Benino at number three. Yeah, which is where he probably belonged anyway. Now, tonight he's playing number, he's playing a fourth line center because he's got to get his legs back. He's getting his legs. So he's going (laughs) to slide back into third. And now you've got Yarn Croak and Sissons who can basically swap out between wing and center on the fourth line and the third line. That's nasty because. Yarncroft was looking really good the other night uh, with some some moves we'll talk about later on another game, but he had a nice toe drag that did not look like a center. Right, and we we compared Duchesne and Turris. I always say that the money doesn't lie. If you want to look at who the better player is, not only do you look at stats, but look at salary because money is where it matters, and they are both on a $6 million a year deal. Duchesne got a one-year deal. Turris got a six-year for that for $6 mil a year. But they're on the same asking price or same salary because they basically are the same production level. Exactly. So when you take that in mind and you look at all three teams in that deal, which team do you think got the best end of that deal in that bargain? I think Nashville did. I, I really think Nashville did because it's a long-term contract. I think the problem is with the Duchesne contract is after it expires, he's going to want more. Yeah. Where we locked him in for six years. We had that production for six years. He's ours. And that kind of goes back to all of our other lock-ins You know, over the offseason. We are locked in with great players for a decent price for the next four to five years, realistically. And the crazy thing is we still have cap space. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is that Tourist said in his press conference that they never talk salary in Ottawa. Like they wouldn't talk about because the rumor was that he was looking for like an eight year extension in Ottawa. Yeah. And he comes right down to Nashville and boom, six years. 
Yeah. And they get down there, and he's like, I don't even mean we never talk salary. Yeah, he so said they makes, weren't wanting to offer that to him, that eight-year deal that he was looking for. Yeah, so it makes you wonder, like, how bad did one Ottawa want him there, and how bad did he want to stay in Ottawa? Because from what I read up on him on the trade, he had a really good foundation up there he helped with. Yeah. Another good guy that the Preds get. I think he's going to fit right in our locker yeah. room. I mean, you got PK already doing his thing, so I... I what else you got for us, Matt? Uh, yeah, I think I would have to agree with you. Nashville, I would say won that trade, especially given the consideration that they were considering getting rid of Ekholm to get the player who's basically on equal footing as tourists. So just the fact that you got a similar guy and didn't have to lose any roster pieces for that, I think that makes you the big winner because when you're comparing those two, we got the way better end of that deal. AHLers again. Yeah. Once again, AHLers in the second round pick. pick yeah, and I think people day. got like we covered it earlier. People got really attached to uh, Gerard, and I'm actually glad that Kamenev got to go on because he wasn't cracking the top the NHL level for Nashville. The center depth is too much, and that's what he plays a center. And then Gerard, everybody knows that he was a top level talent. He is a first line D pair. He doesn't need to be playing third pair. He needs to play in first pair. And I think he'll get those minutes in Colorado, which he was not going to get in Nashville. That's why we got rid of Seth Jones. We used him to get Joey because we knew that he was a top pair. Right. Let me give you another aspect, something we haven't really considered, is Duchesne's outlook on this. I know that from Joe Sackett's perspective, everybody was kind of trashing him and saying he's he's screwing it up. He's not going to get any value for him because he's it's all going down the pipe. Well, Taken in retrospect, now going forward, he got not only some good pieces, he got a couple more pieces. The Avalanche got Hammond, Hammond, Kamenev, Gerard, is that right? Is that Bowers and yeah, multiple uh, picks. Yeah, and uh, first round, second round picks. So they got actually a few more pieces than they were getting to begin with. Yeah, I have to completely agree. I thought he had waited too long, but I think he finally found someone who wanted Duchesne badly enough. Nashville didn't want him badly enough. We didn't want to give up all those pieces. Ottawa, what do you know, did. And that's why I think Ottawa gets the lowest grade is because they keep they kept on pursuing it and they ended up getting less, uh, basically a lower bargain than we did because of what's going to happen with the contract afterwards and what they gave up as far as prospects. So not only are you paying out with a contract, you're also giving up prospects. It's almost mind-boggling, and that's why I think Ottawa gets the lowest grade. And I think actually Colorado comes out in the middle there with probably like you know maybe a B, but he got plenty of draft picks. What he needed, and he got a decent defenseman, which they need defense in Colorado. So hey, credit to Joe, he actually pulled off something. So uh, I don't know. We'll see how it pans out for them in the draft picks, but. Yeah, I think everybody was down on him a few months ago because he wasn't getting the deal done, but now he gets the deal done, gets those picks, and actually looks pretty good for doing so, setting himself up for those picks for the future. And what I thought was very interesting was Duchesne said he had a tremendous amount of respect for Joe Sackick. I expected him to just trash him and say he was fed up with him, and but he said Joe Sackick told him to hold on, we're going to get the deal done eventually, and uh, 
Matt Duchesne was talking to his agent and considered not going to practice, remember, at the start of the year. But he said, no, we're going to do this thing right. We're going to show up and, and do things right, and, and eventually we'll get the deal done. And Matt Duchesne ended up coming out of it saying that he had a tremendous amount of respect for Joe Sackett because he did everything he could and ended up getting him out of Colorado, which is what he wanted, and he got a lot of value back for that in return. Yeah, It's just frustration. It's it's part of the business. He just he just wanted to be out, you know, and – Credit to Duchesne. He stuck it out for his teammates. He was classy about it. He didn't want to talk about it a whole lot. I mean, obviously, it's a sore subject. If you don't want to work somewhere, you <laughs> you don't want to talk about it. But he stayed the course. He got what he wanted. He's a fresh start in Ottawa. And I wish him all the luck. Yes, we do wish him all the luck. Now, for Kyle Turris, even though he got sent to Nashville, he didn't get to actually play his first game officially as a predator because... Apparently, you got something to do with immigration coming from Canada yeah, to know, America. You know those Canadians and the border crossing. It's for the Mounties. Vicious. Well, I mean, this is kind of standard for Canadian deals with um, American teams. It just takes a little bit longer for them to get you know that immigrant status. So it's completely understandable. But it just sucked because we were really wanting them, uh, you know, for that Columbus game. But uh, it worked out. Uh, schedule-wise, because we kind of had a break after the Columbus game, so he could he could get some practices in. But nevertheless, Columbus game turned out pretty well, Kyle. What happened? It did. We ended up getting a 3-1 win. We played their backup goalie. I can't remember his name because I was kind of hoping it'd be Rene versus Bob. But yeah, didn't get to see him play. Uh, we also, again, had that very well-balanced line of Hartnell, Joe uh, Johansson, and RV completing the top line. Irwin actually got a goal. That was a shocker. Shocker. I mean, absolute shocker. And then Yarncourt gets a goal, and then Arby gets one. So, decent night all around for everybody. And that brings us straight down into game number 16, which was our first home mm. game back against our dreaded Stanley Cup <laughs> final rivals, the Pittsburgh Penguins, who, after trouncing us in our first game back to them, it was bad. we returned the favor. Yeah. Beating yeah. them 5-4 to four in another after-school thrill and activity of a shootout. Because we proved once again we're terrible overtime, but we somehow managed to survive. Yeah, let but, me let me just say that we should have we should have lost the game <laughs> in overtime. There was two on the back post that were completely open. But what was uh what was crazy is we actually did completely outplay them in the first three periods. I thought if you think about um, the two goals that were just kind of fluky goals, which is the Sissons bobble over a stick. And then you also have the Subban blowout on the tile where Pretzel, yeah. I call him Pretzel, got a breakaway. I mean, just straight one-on-one. I mean, really, the game's 4-2. to two. And then if you want to talk about Emlyn, which I'm sure we will, on that beautiful gem of a highlight reel for a defenseman, yeah. um, God, it's, such a it's really like 4-1. <laughs> to one. So I felt like the takeaway was we played really well the first three periods. We looked garbage in three on three MOT, which we should have lost, and then somehow we pull it out in uh, the shootout, which I think Peck played pretty strong. He had that super great save on uh, what was it, Malkin, first shot glove, kind of like I don't know. He kind of gave him a lot of open net on that side, maybe to kind of play into his glove hand, but looked pretty good. But guess who got our first goal? What do you know? Kyle Turris. Kyle freaking Turris. He comes in. And he has, to me, injected new life into that second line. They looked solid. They looked fast. They were buzzing around the Penguins left and right. And I was like, wow, this now becomes a possible 
I think you could actually flip these lines around a first and second line could go back and forth because they look that good. It's almost crazy. And I think that was like a small sample. We only saw it for one game, but tonight's game that, you know, we'll continue to update on is proving it as well. We, we have six goals through two periods and it's on every line. Turris has another assist tonight, but it is crazy. The amount of offensive production we have now, which we've never had. I mean, it's always been defense, you know, stonewall. We'll get, We'll eke out three goals a game. Yeah, somebody it's, it's on crazy right Twitter now. said, is this what it's like for a Preds team to have two basically top six lines? Yeah, it, it's 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 impressive because I think Turris is a fast player and he fits perfectly with Smith and Fiala, Fiala. two very fast players. And you can tell, I mean, right from the get-go, it was like Fiala had a pass, it was a little too hot, but their speed was all over the place and Turris could have had Probably two goals, honestly, but I mean, he comes out there a goal and assist in his debut. He's looking pretty good. He scored that, that first. Nice. He scored first that first goal. goal. You couldn't wipe that smile off his face. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was grinning all the way back. He got to hear the the you know you suck chant. I mean, it, it it what a great experience for him. And he's looking like he's gonna be the guy that we needed. It's funny. In twenty years, this team has went from a almost a backwater team that no one really <laughs> cared about. And now in the last three to four years, we've slowly become this team that people are like, I want to go play for Nashville. I remember when Subin got traded, he said people were texting him saying, I wish I could come play in Nashville because people were realizing that Nashville is a hockey city. I know some Penguins fans and some Blackhawks fans would disagree with us. But yeah, this is a hockey city. And I think Turris is just another example as to people do want to come play in Nashville now. He, he said it wasn't just the franchise, which obviously is on the rise. And he's obviously going to have a chance at the cup over the next couple of years. He also talked about the city itself, even like Nashville's growth and the school systems all played into his decision. Oh, trust me, I know about because, the growth driving the work every day. Yeah, it's just crazy. But he, he has a family and other teams have a family. And I think that's an important factor to think about too. Sure. Like, would I want to go to a city <laughs> and actually raise my family there? I think we talked about this yeah. in the preseason that's a huge factor. Like, I do I want to go to Glendale, Arizona? Maybe. Do I want to go to some of these obscure, odd places? Maybe not. But for them, it was the whole package, and he could sign a long-term deal? Just saying. A little side note. I think that's kind of important to note that Nashville as a city has kind of attracted more players, too. Yeah, I think if I was a player, that would be the thing that's most important to me, where I is that city where I want to live, not necessarily is that team that good at hockey. And you talk about having to uproot your life. He's moving from another country to come here and play. So I would definitely look for that long-term deal. So I'm happy for it. And I'm excited to see that he enjoys Nashville and thinks that that's a good fit for him and his family. I would also say this game was great because we kept Crosby from scoring a goal. Again. Now, he broke that streak (laughs) tonight in his game against the Sabres. Shocker. It's the Sabres. If he didn't score against the Sabres, he's got problems. But that game was his 11th game in a row that he had not scored. Mm-hmm. But it was a seesaw game, largely due to what we were talking about, some of the bad breaks. But in the end, somehow pulled it out in the shootout. And the bad breaks we got was we lost Harton on Weber. Ooh, very bad. Yeah. We it was, got it was Weber a out. chippy game, by the way. Chippy oh, yeah, game. Hornquist and Arvey, I thought we were just going to drop down right in the middle of center ice. It was great because Arvey kept his... Gently putting his stick, you know. Poking the bear. Poking the bear. And, of course, Hornquist, you know. He, he's not going to take any of that. Hornquist is a bear. 
Harvey's a honey badger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was it was pretty obvious that uh the teams kind of harbored some feelings left over mm. from uh the playoffs. They got long memories. It's 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 interesting cuz it's kind of forming into a a non-conference rivalry and it's it's kind of refreshing a little bit, so. Yeah, so Hartnell is out 3 to 5 weeks and what looked to be a very bad twist of his knee on a rut in the ice. And then Weber laid a good hit on the board against a Penguins player, but then had to go down to the room, and he's out for two to four weeks. So that led to tonight's game, where you see, uh, fortunately, Benito came back. Yes, yeah. thank God. That was good. And Benito on tonight's game was playing on the fourth line with McLeod and Watson. Now, why McLeod's still around, I'll never know. <laughs> he's the enforcer, baby. <laughs> Look, we just watched him Oh God. the second period take that fourth line with that third pair on the ice get waylaid for two and a half minutes and get a goal laid on him. Yeah, it was pretty bad. It was terrible. Hard to watch. It was terrible clear. He looked like a grandpa out there. He was leaned over on his stick. By the end of the two minutes, he was gassed. Yeah, I, I tweeted and said, I'm glad this, he made it, he got a penalty too, and I said, well, I'm glad to see that he found his way back to the office tonight. Yeah, I mean, he lives there. He should yeah. just put a little cot there. Taking a seat just, there. I mean, mm-hmm. made his home. But uh, overall, I can't complain considering our current win streak, and we just, we're crushing this game right now. Six to three? Are you kidding? Yep. If we get that, that's six games in a six games in a row. We will won. Not only is that against quality opponents I mean, and on the road too. On the road, mostly crazy. I mean, that was a Pacific tour against the Ducks, the Kings. Kings were super hot. They're still hot. You're talking the Penguins, sharks. defending cha- uh, Sharks. Well, we did lose that game, but we took like how many penalties? Like eight, <laughs> eight, eight penalties. Yeah. Um, you got the Capitals, the pen- I mean, very hot teams. I mean, you got you mean that game right there, the one that play in the background now. You got Holtby, who's a fantastic goaltender. Ovi, Hoshi, Orpik, just amazing. And that kind of leads into the Central Division. If we win tonight, which I say we're going to, we'll go into second place of our division with twenty two points. We'll, well only the be Jets f- are winning right now. Well, against the Coyotes. Okay, shocker. Wow. <laughs> the more likely we're going to stay in third. But what surprised me looking at our division is how bad the Blackhawks have been doing. Yeah, they've been struggling here recently, and I I, I believe they've played more games, correct? They've oh. played two more games than us. Yeah, they're, they're just struggling as far as defense-wise. They I are 8-8-2. Eight, eight There's a lot of good teams struggling right now, too. Uh, the Oilers? Let's not even get off that tangent. That's crazy right now. They're 28th in the league. Yeah. The, the golden boy, the future golden boy himself, McDavid, is on that team with Drysidle, which you love. Yeah. Mm. Well, look at him; he's grinning because yeah, he knows it hurts. Grinning. It hurts, but hurts when you put all your eggs in two baskets, yeah. I'm just saying, if he's not producing 100 points in a game or a, in a game, geez, <laughs> in a game. that's impressive. <laughs> um, if he's not producing 100 points in a year, in a year this year, could be a long season. Preds going to the Oilers. Not Preds. Oh, it's going to be doing that tank drive again. <laughs> no, it ain't going to be that bad. No, it's no. it's not going to be. I I think they're going to recover and make the playoffs. They'll but. pull through. We'll we'll have good positive feelings for that. Yeah, mm. I, I like them too much to believe that they're not going to make the playoffs. Yeah. And I do not believe that Chicago is not going to make the playoffs. Cam like, Talbot will pull things around. He's been you hope pretty bad lately. He'll, he he'll was pull it together. garbage the first couple games. So if he can if he cannot do that, like. <laughs> It can't be any worse, so I, I, I think he'll he'll turn it around for them. Well, speaking of problems, that gets us into our top five for the week. Mm. So our top five is a pretty simple one. We're having a great season, first of all. 
but we want to nitpick a little. Yeah, we want to nitpick. <laughs> My favorite. Just a little. <laughs> yeah. For everyone who has been following our podcast, Matt sends us a comprehensive review of each episode and gives cowboy hats out for people <laughs> who, who did well. So if you don't get a cowboy hat in the text message, well, better luck next week. So. Surprisingly, he gives himself the most cowboy hats. <laughs> three cowboy hats to me this week. Well, what do you know? It's like our, It's like Matt's version of the three stars of the game. Yep. So... So I will start it off with my version of the top five things the Preds are currently facing, followed by Daniel and Matt with their own top five. <laughs> Should be interesting. So yeah. my number five on this list is penalty trouble. Yeah. How many minutes are we up to? 255. Not including yeah. this game, which not we've taken this game, a couple. And not including the fact that Cody McLeod has already had two minutes in the box tonight. <laughs> hey, they're first in the NHL. That's got to stand for something. Hey. Yeah, but they don't give trophies. You're not tro- first. You're last. They so. don't give trophies out for penalty minutes. Uh, yeah, unfortunately. I think that if we become more disciplined, now that we're a very fast team, we're going to be moving fast, playing fast, and I think that will lead to our being a little more undisciplined. So I think basically keep playing fast, fix your discipline, don't take unnecessary penalties like slashing, hooking, tripping, elbowing, cross-checking, boarding. The list goes on. I don't think we adjusted well to the rule changes yet, and I think it'll get better as the season goes, but it's just it's hard because people with speed have been blowing past people, and then you're used to being able to use your stick to the advantage of reaching out, but if you reach out anywhere near the hands, they're going to call it, and it's just, as a defenseman, you have to recognize that and just take one step back. Just half step. Just help us out. Thank you, Cindy Crosby. Just... Cindy, just help us out a little bit. Uh, th- they're getting there. I'm sure Lavi, this is like number one on the board every meeting. Uh, he's addressing it. We'll get there, but I don't know. It's What's your number five, Daniel? Number five. Uh, per- by the way, I purposely left off penalty because I knew God, probably one, you, of one of you would have it on there. So anyway, oh, this time of year, got the house all nice and cozy for winter. But sometimes critters get in there, and it's time to call the exterminator because the injury bug <laughs> has bitten the predators again. It is a little frustrating, and the NHL is you know this revolving door of injuries with how physical it is. But it's very sad. Ellis is out from the start of the season. Probably won't be back till end of December, probably early January because we'll play it safe. Yeah. I prefer that. But last game, wah, wah, wah. Weber and Hartnell go out for another couple weeks. Granted, the consolation prize is we finally got rid of one pest and Bonino is back in the lineup as far as centers are concerned. Uh, Weber, um, not too worried about missing him, but Hartnell, big deal. Because guess what we were doing before this? Getting to the net. And that's one reason why we were having so much success these last several games. So that is a little concerning. Granted, tonight I say that, and we're getting to the net and doing everything right as far as tip-ins and uh, in front of net traffic in front of Holpe. But we'll need to continue that because Hartnell, he's a big dude. And that's a big net front presence, but the injury bug has bitten us again, unfortunately. And hopefully this time by December, it'll be all good. So what do you got for number five, Matt? Well, my number five is that Ryan Johansson needs to get on the scoreboard with a goal. What do you know? But he's got so many assists, he's doing the job of a center. 
Yes, that's true, but I would like to see him at least get that goose egg off that category and get one goal. I'm glad the assists and centerman's main deal is to give some assists, sure, but I want to see at least a number on the board rather than a zero. Adam Vingan said he's the highest paid center without a a goal. goal. Yeah, I saw that. So he for sure needs to get hot. And like you said, that first line, it started with Forsberg, which is nice because he traditionally had been a bit of a slow starter. So it's good that if Johansson's not getting hot early, at least Forsberg has been doing that. So it's at least a trade-off. He made up for it, fortunately. But it's the Jofa line for a reason. He's got to step it up. For sure. I might talk more about that later. We'll see. (laughs) Spoiler. All right, my number four. Is there a lot of people on our team that I like? There's a couple I don't like. (laughs) Oh, oh, uh, there's a big one. On everybody's list, I'm sure. But there is one member of this team I don't like more than anything. And his name is Emelyn. Oh. <laughs> Why are you on? You knew that was coming. <laughs> Come on, Matt. I don't care if you put it on your list. We can all frustrate and say that it's a problem because he is a problem. He does not belong on this team. <laughs> You're shrugging your shoulders because we're being really critical. Yeah. I'm okay, just struggling do we have to, to go see... back to the Pittsburgh goal. No, I'm going to talk about that later. Keep going. Who's more? I'm trying to determine who's more detrimental: Emlyn's lack of defensive play sometimes, or, or McLeod sitting in the box. I was box about to so say much. that's a good counter argument. I will say Emlyn's detri- more detrimental. Oh yeah. State your reason, Kyle. State my reason. <laughs> Here comes the debate. Because a this team is a very fast team. He's not fast. <laughs> this is true. As a defenseman, you need to cover your man constantly. He never covers his man. He seems to be just laying around La La Land out there, skating around, not doing anything. Positioning. He can't position himself perfectly. Now I'm on the stupid house. <laughs> What's your comeback, Matt? Did you see the Rangers game? Yeah. Just chalk it up as a loss for him. We'd have two more points right now if it wasn't for him. Yeah. That's pretty bad. That's true. It's pretty one. bad. Daniel, number four. Drop the mic. Drop the <laughs> mic. All right, number four. It has been touched on a little bit before, but... I'm gonna. We're gonna need to break out the snake, snake uh, serum here because Joey is snake bitten. But Fiala too. We've we've overlooked that. Now, granted, as I speak and made this list, <sighs> Fiala scores his first goal of the season. But that said, both these guys coming in tonight, 16 games in, did not have a goal. If you would have told me that both of them would not have had a goal and we would be where we're at right now, no, mind blown. Because if these two get hot, along with others, offensive production everywhere. And I think we're starting to see that tonight. We have six goals. But like I said, both snake bitten. Fiala just got rid of it. He found the antidote tonight. Joey, we're paying you a whole lot. Keep doing your assist thing. Don't throw that off. You know, don't sacrifice the assist to get the goal. But... Take the good shots. I mean, there's there's been a couple times he's had a good look and he's opted to pass. Yeah. And I don't understand, but I'm like, in that situation, shoot the J. Shoot it. Just <laughs> shoot it. So it's frustrating, but go ahead. Well, we mentioned with trade-offs and how, uh, how Johansson hasn't been hot, but Forsberg has kind of made up for that. And while Fiala has not been hot, you know who's been looking really good in his place is Craig Smith has been having a heck of a showing. Shocker. He listened to our podcast. He listened to my... I burned him at the front of this season. I will sit out there and say I totally did not think he was going to do good this year, but he has come out looking like crazy leg Smith <laughs> this year. I don't get it. Fast. 
Well, something that Craig Smith can help them do is leads to my number four, which is that the Preds need to work on their even strength scoring. Back to last year, we had a terrible power play, and we were notorious for not being able to get it done with a man advantage. This year seems like the total opposite. Our special teams are really good, and our even strength is where we're kind of failing short. We're not being able to get it done five on five. So that's something if we could come together as a group and collectively work on that particular aspect, we'd be doing much better off, rather than relying on Forsberg or the power play to get those goals. That said, tonight, Matt, they must they must be listening to all your critiques, because five even strength goals tonight out of our six points well yeah so they need to keep that trend up for sure so we'll see yep i guess it leads to my number three that's defensive laps mm. Mm. is this is this piggybacking <laughs> off of emlyn yeah. it's picking backy off emlyn because i remember yossi and i believe it was i think it was the penguins game too where he was caught out of position and even tonight, watching this Capitals game, caught out of position again. Both team, both Yossi uh, and Ekholm going to the left. Rene has got the left covered. Back door's open. Goes right in. Oh, Oshi had a wide open shot tonight, too. I mean, it, there was no contest. I mean, Peck had the front post covered pretty well. but Even watching the uh, high school prep hockey, you can see that, you know, even the coaches at that level tell those, tell those kids, if you're on defense, you stay on your man. And I don't know why on the NHL level we're paying these guys all this money and you don't stay on your man. One attacker should not draw both of your defensemen in and leave leave the goalie to dry because he can only cover so much of that net. And if he gets caught going back and forth and there ain't nobody on his right or left-hand side, I don't care how good you are, that puck's going in the net. He didn't come out of his crease, man. He did not. Unlike uh, Jari, <laughs> oh. talk about the defensive position, Jari from the Pittsburgh game got a tripping call because he came so freaking yeah. far out. He of the literally net. like was just grabbing the defense. Like, I mean, if you're caught, might as well go down. That was a good penalty to take. But you know, yeah, he had whatever. to to save his bacon. To. Yeah, but that's the ul- that's the ultimate bad defensive position when your goalie sides taking an adventure. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, I have to agree, but that kind of leads into my number three. We've talked about him before. The man, the myth, the legend, Emily. <laughs> I, I just want to say. We have roasted him pretty bad. And we will keep roasting him. The moment for me that I realized he has to go was the Pittsburgh game. And there was a particular moment when the puck gets cycled around the back of the net. Emlyn's already out of position. He goes all the way to one post of the net and decides, I'm going to push to the other side of the net, not thinking that there's a goaltender yeah. there, and he's caught watching the puck again. No. Granted, it wasn't his person coming in in the middle of the slot, but here's the deal. He got caught watching the puck and is not keeping his head on a swivel to see who's cutting in on the goalie. And then on top of it, he's screening the goalie. He's all up in his business. I mean, he was literally in the crease up against Pekka. And I'm like, dude... He just did not look like he was what he, he he just looked like he didn't know what he was talking or not, oh my god he didn't look like he knew what was going on in the entire play completely like just in la la land as Kyle said not paying attention I, I I don't know it's just frustrating it was the perfect screen it was a great screen as the other team you're like <laughs> that's what we want get that on the highlight reel. Play that in the locker room for screening a goalie. Granted, you'd probably get goaltender interference because it was that good. 
I, I mean, he was all over him. It's just, it's frustrating to watch because he's not aggressive when he needs to be, but then he gets caught in these moments where he's just there and he's just kind of a brick on the ice. I think Kyle said, you could put a traffic cone out there, paint it gold, and then slap a stick on it, wow. duct tape it, and just push it. I stand by that statement 100%. I mean, it, it's been rough to watch, and that was painful. I thought the Rangers game was painful when he gave up two goals. That one was that one was just pure painful. I've seen three moments from Emlyn that just hurt my soul to watch. That screen against Rene never should happen. First of all, if you're at one post and you decide to push to the other post, how does your mind not comprehend that there's a goaltender in between? The world may never know. I, it blows my mind. I don't know. It's just not working out. It's Nobody not working knows. out. But this brings me to another point. When Ellis comes back, does Emlyn drop down to the third pair and still plays? I hope he gets put in the press box for the rest of the season. That's what you hope, but you think about it. He's playing top four right now. He's playing top four right now. So if Ellis comes back, will they put him with Weber? Don't you put that on us. I- I'm just saying. It scares me because that's some bad juju on the bottom line there. That's terrible. I, I don't would, even want to talk oh about it. Oh, my God. I can't even. Can't even right now. Well, We'll cross that path when uh, we get there. The blood pressure. But uh, let's calm down a little bit and go, <laughs> go to my number three. I have ice that. It. Uh, Put it on ice, boys. We need to work on our depth scoring. We mentioned how, again, earlier in the season that we're getting first-line production, and then we see Forsberg go to the second line to try to heat it up, and now you mm-hmm. bring in some other pieces like uh, we've got Turris in and Hartnell, who's now hurt, but Benino's coming back. You're seeing yep. these pieces coming back in. That's going to try to help motivate the team and get some uh, get some scoring going on. Not only basically just re- redistributing it down the line. That's what we need, and that's what you look for. You want production out of more lines of players. That way, the coach can't just put the first line defense on one particular line. If the first and second line become interchangeable, then he got a hard time figuring out which deep air to put against the best line because he doesn't know which it is. So that's an ideal world, and that's one that we want to be in. I, I tell you what. They're listening to you again. They must know because tonight's game, Craig Smith scores the first goal. Benino scores the second goal, correct? Yeah, I think it was Benino on a tip-in. Then Forsberg unassisted on the third, which might be RV. I don't know if they're going to go back and change it. It looked they like did. it was off his it's Fial. No, sorry, it's not Fial. It's Forsberg. Smith scores. Uh, sorry, it was Forsberg on the third one. Fiala finally got a tip-in. Another second line, salty third line, and Ekholm. Yeah. So it's crazy. We're getting defensive points, and on top of it, we're getting one uh, first line, second line, and third line points right now. Goals being generated. So credit to what you're saying. We need to spread it out, and it's looking like they're going towards that. We're moving towards that direction, and great results right now. It's I mean six to three with a minute left in the third. Yeah, as we were making our list, I was telling myself, it's kind of hard for me to make this list, the things we got going wrong, because the things that I would have initially listed as we had wrong a couple weeks ago, we're really starting to put those things together with a string of wins and, and fixing those holes that we had in our game. So, Nitpick for a reason. You yeah. Know, only get better. Kyle, what do you got for number two? My number two, Cody McLeod. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, that's hilarious because we were talking about <laughs> Emelin and McLeod. You have, now, you said Emelin was the worst piece of the pie, but you've got 
McLeod higher than Emelin on this list. I just wanted to rant more about Emelin. Oh he was closer goodness. on the list. Okay. Whatever. Cody McLeod. I understand why we have him on the team. Do he's you? that he's that quote unquote enforcer, which is what kind of what I thought Emelin was supposed to be. But in quotes. <laughs> as you said tonight, everybody knows where McLeod's office is, the penalty box. That's, right. <laughs> That's for sure. We just need to put him up. We just need to put him in the press box. Or maybe send him down to the minors. Oh no. No, 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 no. He's not that bad. Fine. He does trade him to somebody. He, he does pick his fights. Like he he will look over and say, Hey, I want that guy off the ice. And he'll kind of prod and poke the entire game. He is good at that. He is good at it. But I don't think he's a good fit for us long term. Mm. I don't think when his contract comes up we're gonna we're gonna bring him back. Anyway, that was my number two. Above just want to say above it was above Emlyn. Mm-hmm. Only because Emlyn came first in the list, and I wanted to talk about Emlyn more. Oh, okay. Well, number two for me, and this is almost a direct consequence of another team just being really good right now, and the Preds are having to play catch-up in the Central Division to the smoking Hot Blues. Yep. Let's just go ahead and give a shout-out to them because they're looking fantastic this year so far. They have... Uh, played 19 games and amassed 27 points with a plus 11 goal differential. That's Looking good. good, especially for the Central with how tight it is right now and all the teams grouped together. They've jumped off to a hot start. Will they be able to continue it on? Matt shaking his head. Probably not. It's not realistic. But that said, we will be playing catch up as far as that's concerned and the season goes on. And it's it's going to be a slugfest in the Central, as always. Leads me to my number two, which is something we've already hinted at earlier. With all the injuries, whether it's Benino just now coming back, Scotty Hartnell going out, Weber going out, we're still missing the great redheaded beard in uh, <laughs> the great <Ellis>. bearded wonder. <laughs> yes, we're still missing him, so that is really plaguing us to start with. Happy with the results so far, considering all those injuries, but I would like to see a healthy lineup for sure. Oh yeah, I'm. That injury bug did hit us, but it's hard because we just keep rotating players. Um, it is nice to see a center come back. Uh, Weber wasn't that big of a deal for me, but Hartnell, that's going to sting for you know the next two, three weeks. Hopefully he, he will mend quicker as an old man, but we'll see. Kyle, what do you got for number one? My number one is I think that we should bring up some of the HL players. Hmm, that's an interesting Carrier, uh, proposition. Daughtry. You can bring them up, let them play. So, so replace Emily. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is your whole top five problems was Emily, 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 and then you just change the sub subjects. Pretty much around that. Okay, that's pretty much my entire thing. Was it was a lot better than me going number five, Emily, number four, four Emily, yeah. or I could have said five, E M, four, E L. <laughs> yeah, it's, and spell it's, it out. It's bad. No, no, I really think. Getting back to it, you need to give Carrier and Daughtry a shot. Call on them up. Let them watch the games. You brought Samuel Gerard up, so he's gone. And you've got Weber Hurt. you got Potato in tonight. Well, you still can bring up one extra D. So bring up Carrier or Daughtry. Who would you bring up? Carrier, personally. Um, just seeing his uh, production in the preseason, even against the Lightning game, Yeah, uh, looked really good. Very fast. Um, another two-way defenseman that we have in our system. Great-looking shot. Bring him up. Let him play. Just saying, Third pair. I, I like him better than Emelin, but... 
I know M1's not leaving I'm, the top four. I'm going to try to stay off that one, considering Kyle but butchered him. Potato. Let potato sit. Or potato. Potato, potato. Potato, potato. And bring up Carrie. Let him play that third line with Irwin. Get some play time. Or even better, Emelin, third line. <laughs> Emelin and Carrie. Just kicking it on the third line. I think Carrie might actually hit Emelin with his stick. I don't know. It's... We'll see when Ellis comes back, but I can't get worked up again about it. Matt had to calm me down earlier. All right, Danny, what's number one? Okay, number one, it's pretty basic. And as I speak about this, it seems like they have started to fix this. But that is chemistry. And one problem that we've been having is with the rotating defensemen and with the rotating injuries and centers being out, we've had to shuffle people around a lot. Now, give credit to trying to even out some of the scoring, like you said, Matt, on all the lines. That does happen when you shuffle lines, but the problem is you're not building as much chemistry when you're doing it. So that said, I think now that Turris is here, you're going to see the top two lines solidify. You're going to see the Jofa line. You're going to see the um, Smith-Fiala-Turris line, which we need to come up with some fancy acronym. Kudos for whoever comes up with one first. But you're going to see those two lines solidify, and then you're going to have those, you know, Benino third line with, you know, the pairing of Hartnell when he comes back. Once again, this goes into my thing. We will get the chemistry, but it's going to take time. The defensemen seem to finally have <laughs> minim- uh, minimized all of the, you know, miscues and blunders that were plaguing us in the month of October, especially Emlyn. Um, side note, but that said we will bring it back together and we will work on the chemistry, but it's just going to take time with the amount of injuries and the amount of rotations that we've been messing with essentially for these first you know month and a half. But we'll get there. It's a work in progress. We're nitpicking, but... Yeah, I think probably the lines have been shuffled a little much, more than LaVillette would like to, but that was just that's been because out of necessity because of the injuries. But as people are starting to come back in, that's going to settle in and, and things are going to take shape like you said so let's take shape into my number one something i always like to end on something that we haven't mentioned yet and that is a personal pet peeve of mine Uh and Uh oh that is i know the predators zone entry (laughs) is garbage i almost put that on my list be sure you include the drop pass but i knew (laughs) that famous pk PK (laughs) man it's so predictable right now you're just like here comes a drop pass yeah but that's I literally left it off my list because I, I did knew. too because I knew you'd pick yeah. it up. Yeah, we that's knew. a big pet peeve of mine. We knew. Go ahead, ran on it. Yeah, it's hard to get into the offensive zone. The dump and chase really is not a great strategy. That's just a last resort you do. If you're going to dump and chase, <laughs> you better have the speed to get there, which we aren't really seeming to be able to do very much. It's more like a that's our only option, and it's not really a very good option. So while we're doing pretty good on scoring, I would like to see us have develop some kind of uh, tic-tac-toe play, a give-and-go, something besides a drop pass and a dump and chase to help us gain entry into that offensive zone. It's amazing to watch their teams just make that such a smooth, easy pass. Preds come. Dang it, dump and chase again every time. Yeah, it's it's so predictable. And other teams, they just skate across the blue line and just kind of hold it there gracefully as all their friends come to join the power play fun, and then they can drop it off right into a cycle which never happens for us. It's just it's frustrating to watch. I think the only line that is fast enough to do that is the second line. Yeah. Effectively. I, I think every other line 
do not do the dump and chase. It's just, it's not going to work. You're not fast enough to get to the board before they have at least pinned it or have possession. Especially the fourth line. It should be a rule in the fourth line. You do not dump and chase. You are basically that grinding line. Take the puck and just run people over. If you're going to have Cody McLeod out there, I don't have want him just the puck and run people over with it. I don't want to see them on a power play, first of all, Kyle. If they're, if they're out on the power play, we got problems. I say let them dump and chase. That way they can get off the ice. And <laughs> yeah. first, you dump and chase, and we'll <laughs> sub in uh, the second line there. So That said, guess guess what just went final? What went final? Cavs Preds, and we are victorious 6-3. to three. That's right. We streaking, boys. And just a little error and omission, Kyle. You kept saying that we were on a six-game win streak. This is a five-game win streak. What? How did I get that wrong? Oh. Your maths has problems because we lost the game in San Francisco. Oh, that's got too San sidetracked Jose. talking so about got, Emily. You got really excited. But that said, looking at the streaks right now, I'm not we good currently math. have the longest win streak. The only other teams with four game uh, with a four-game win streak is Toronto and uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning. How about that? So... Five games, Kyle. Sorry to burst your bubble. It's, it's not right. six yet. Here's a stat I left off since you love Johansson's face-off ability. Kyle Turris is the best face-off man in the last three years combined. There you go. Talk about center depth, getting face-offs like you love. In the zone? Mm-hmm. That's huge, especially on power play. I'm just saying. Duchesne better, better than Turris? I do not think so. In my opinion, I really think you're looking at equals. But I also think that um, I think Turris might even fit in a little better than Duchesne as far as his play style with that second line. I don't know. I'm just saying. I like it. Throwing just it out I'd there. Just bring that up there because I forgot that part. Well, thank you, Matt. We are forever in your debt. Yes. You are a scholarly. I was going to go somewhere with that, but you know, like, <laughs> I'm just going to keep it going. Some people have way with words. I don't Other have people not have way. Yes. I have no way with words and I is not good at math either. <laughs> we got to get a degree for these Russians that are starting to play in the league too. What is it? Slipashev and Slepashev and mm. <laughs> there's there's a lot going on, so there is a ton. Well, all right guys, well, I think that does it for the week. Before we shut it down for the night, Daniel, what games we got coming up? All righty. Well, as we just said, the Capitals game just went final. So our upcoming games are Minnesota on the road again, shocker. Then finally, we're going to come back for a homestand against Colorado uh, Saturday uh, the 18th. And then that following Monday, it's going to be Winnipeg Jets. That's going to be a good game, in my opinion. They're pretty hot right now. They are. That's going to be a big division as far as uh, shifting in points and standings. Uh, Following that, we get a homecoming for Shea Weber on Wednesday with the Montreal Canadiens. And then we get to round it up with a road trip against St. Louis. So circle your calendar for the 24th. That's going to be a good game. Uh, we're going to have a Sunday game, rare Sunday game against your bubble team, the infamous <laughs> Carolina Hurricanes. Um, they hey, can do it. Their bubble got a little bigger last night. Kyle. They did. I'm just saying. They beat Chicago. And speaking of Chicago, rounding out on our next recording night. So once again, I don't know how we keep planning this, but just luck of the draw we will when we do update this. update you. At a home game against Chicago, finally. We've played two in Chicago, so we're, we're trying to make up now. And that is uh, Tuesday, the 28th, to round out the next couple of games. So Nice. 
lots of points up for grab this month. Yes, lots of got twenty eight points. We was it twenty eight points? Uh, I believe so, twenty eight. And we already have ten out of the twelve games. Very so nice. Twelve, twelve total. Yeah. yeah. So it's pretty impressive. Cool deal, everybody. This has been Music City Gold, hosted by Penalty Box Radio. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can find me at Kyle Hancock. You can find the show at Music City Gold. Matt Bain has a Twitter at MattBain31. And Daniel, do you have one finally? Silence. <laughs> Might as well stop asking. Dude, you know it's been a crazy week. I will get there. I will get there, I promise. I'm just going to make you one and just send you the login information. <laughs> okay. Say, Daniel, you do that. Here's you your have Twitter. more time at work. So, go ahead. Oh, well. Well, once again, this has been Music City Gold, hosted by Penalty Box Radio. You guys have a great week, and we'll see you on the ice. 